I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that is in your pocket. We are at episode nine here uh, today with our guest. I'm really excited to have this guy on, Aaron Losing from Crofton, Nebraska. Uh, but before we go going, uh, we want to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Cossack Chiropractic, which is located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice online at Cossack Cairo, that's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com, or give them a call at 402-964-0300. And be sure that you tell them that a pen and a napkin sent you. Also, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on the on the Twitter site. So be sure to follow us at a pen and a napkin. Uh, obviously, if you're listening here, you're either listening to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. But if you don't have a subscription yet, please be sure to subscribe. Be sure to like it. Uh, and rate us five stars uh, with... Uh, coach on here today if there was a six star rating i'm confident that's what we would get out of this episode as well so uh but be sure to rate us there five stars uh if you have any questions or any comments on the program uh email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com uh there's if you have suggestions for future podcasts anything like that give us a shout out um let's get going with today's podcast here i'm really excited here like i said aaron losing from Crofton, Nebraska. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing very good. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on here. Um, coaches, you, uh, Coach, you've been going at it here for 17 years. Uh, a, an overall record of 371 and 58 losses. Uh, I teach history and not math, but I can figure out that is a really good winning percentage. Um and then just an amazing run here, Coach. Uh, eight state championships, uh, a three-peat, 2005, 2006, 2007, which would be impressive enough. But then you followed up a few years later with a five-peat. Uh, so eight state champions all to, eight state championships altogether, and then two runners-up in 2011, and then last year in 2019. So, uh, Coach, thanks so much for coming on here today. I really appreciate it. You bet. Um, Let's just get going here for for folks that don't know you. Um, you know, give us a little bit of background where you grew up, kind of how you ended up in Crofton, Nebraska. You know, I grew up in a small town in South Dakota. Um, some of your listeners may or may not be familiar with the little town called Alpena, South Dakota. Um, you know, fairly close to here on South Dakota or Mitchell, South Dakota. People are more familiar with those two cities, but I grew up on a farm. And, uh, you know, I grew up as a kid, uh, you know, just being outdoors and whether it was sports or, or hunting or helping on the farm, you know, just kind of a typical real small town life. Um, you know, our, me and my friends, we spent plenty of times, plenty of times growing up just in each other's backyard playing football or going down to the little league field uh, to take some batting practice and go out to the school court and, and shoot some hoops and and uh, you know I just kind of grew up doing a little bit of everything and just whatever and, season uh, it was that's what you were playing yeah exactly yep. I just uh, really have a, a real high appreciation for for lots of different sports uh, lately I've been getting into golf and I've learned that uh, I, I waited long enough for that one because that one <laughs> That one's been about the hardest for me to pick up and 
success at. But uh, but yeah, so you know, I, in in high school, I did all the sports. I eventually was able to get a uh, scholarship to play college baseball at Mount Marty College in Yankton, South Dakota. What and a what a name! Fun. What a name for a college! I love it yeah. myself. You know. Yeah, yeah. So when I got to Yankton, when I went through Mount Marty, that's kind of how I got connected with uh, Crofton. Crofton's only about uh, fifteen minutes away from Yankton, South Dakota, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually student taught at Crofton um, during my last year of college and helped with the boys' basketball team. Uh, that year, and then uh, I got a, a regular job uh, up in Ethan, South Dakota, for two years, and then a job opening came back open in Croft, and I was lucky enough to come kind of back um, back around Yankton and Crofton, and, and that's kind of how my career got started in Yankton, mm-hmm. or in, uh, in Crofton, I should say, sorry. Yeah, so when did you start in Crofton? Um... I student taught there, it would have been in 2001, mm-hmm. and then uh, my first uh, year of being back full-time as a teacher and a coach would have been the 04-05 year, I believe. So you start off with a bang. You're, you're head coach, and first year you win a title. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a head coach for two years before that up in, yep. in South Dakota, but yeah, my first year in Crofton, yeah, they were... They, you know, when I interviewed for the job, I, I knew that they had some talent, and obviously, I was there two years prior as mm-hmm. a student teacher and a boys' coach. So, I mean, there were there were junior high and younger high school girls at that time that you could see that were real, real talented individuals. So, I kind of knew what I was walking back into to some extent, and uh, and yeah, I was lucky to uh, I was lucky to get that job. Mm-hmm. And you teach PE, right? Um, you know, I've, uh, I taught, uh, history and PE combined for, uh, about 13 years. I've actually, uh, stepped away from full-time teaching here the last three years and I'm, I'm substitute teaching. Uh, for those people that don't know, uh, my lovely wife, Mary is a dentist in O'Neill, Nebraska. So we live in Creighton, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we both do quite a bit of commuting. And, uh, when we had our, our first child, um, after that first year, you know, I kind of made a decision to, uh, see if I could, uh, you know, have a little more free time for, uh, my, my kids and, and wife. And, and, uh, you know, it's, we, we've been able to work it out. And, uh, and yeah, so I've, basically stepped away from full-time teaching for a short time here and, mm-hmm. and uh, doing a lot of substitute teaching and I still coach in, in Crofton obviously but uh, I think for for about 13 years I was a uh, full-time history and uh, PE teacher, PE teacher. In, in Crofton. So you got kind of the the best of both you know you don't have to work on lesson plans uh, you don't have to really grade anything you know, you just kind of come in, do your thing, and 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 walk away at the end of the day. You know, I've learned that uh, I've learned that being a uh, substitute teacher, you can get a lot of huddle film lost. <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially if you've got the, you know, uh, you you get the the gig on on Friday, or you know, it's Monday, and you know you're subbing somewhere <laughs> on Friday, and you know they got it set up for you. That's 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 the ultimate. Uh, yeah, you know, because you know they're going to have something probably pretty simple for you lined up there. Yeah, it's yeah, and 
definitely. I mean, I, I don't uh, always take a lot of early morning calls because uh, um, for us to, to work it out as a family, sometimes I need to know it uh, a day or more in advance. So. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's 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 awesome. Um, uh, I did the Mr. Mom thing, uh, you know, when my kids were younger, you know, in the summertime. And it was nice. Uh, you know how it is. You, you're, you're making up for kind of lost time because you miss so much in the winter months. Um, I always enjoyed when my kids were younger, just having that time with them, uh, you know, uh, not having to, you know, work as much during the summer and, and you kind of get to do that year round and, and, and be involved with your, with your kids' lives and stuff like that. So I think that's really cool that you're able to do that. So it's, it's, it's been a good switch and you know, it's not probably anything that's going to be super permanent, but, uh, this time and in, in this place in our lives, it's, uh, the decision that, uh, was very beneficial for uh, for both our family and and uh, you know it's been good for myself personally as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things you put down was your your high school coach uh, Paul uh, Raj. Am I saying that right, Coach? Yeah, yep, Raj. Raj. Okay. Um, what what did you take from him uh, that is that has helped you uh, create the program that you've been able to put together there in Crofton? You know, I just, I know that growing up as a, uh, as an elementary kid, you know, um, our high school of Alpena, South Dakota always had a lot of really, really good teams. I think there was a stretch there for, I don't even know, 10 to 15 years or so where they were in their conference championship game. And, uh, you know, as a, as a kid growing up, uh, our high school was state rated most years. And, and, you know, I think as a, fifth or a sixth grade kid I got asked to be a student manager for the high school team and I got to uh you know kind of learn about uh coach Rosh you know as a young elementary kid being a student manager and just kind of see his ways and how he ran practices and then when I got up to uh to high school um you know it was a situation I know that uh a long time ago but I know that as a freshman kid I started the year off um you know, playing JV and kind of coming off the varsity bench, but uh, some circumstances um, arose where we lost a player um, for the year, and uh, you know, I, I actually, you know, I got the opportunity to start mm-hmm. um, the majority of my freshman year, and we had some good teams, and you know, throughout my sophomore and, and junior year, and uh, he actually, uh, you know, he actually left and took a different job at a different uh, school. Um, after my junior year, so I did have a, a, a different coach my senior year in high school, but I still just spent a lot of time around Coach Rosh uh-huh. um, over the years, and, and whether whether it was at practice or whether it was getting coached by him in games, or I, I just remember lots of instances where he was going to scout games, and you know he'd ask three or four of us if we wanted to tag along and go watch the other teams play and get ready for the games ourselves. And, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, a lot of respect for him and, and how, how he ran his program. And I've tried to do some of that uh, as a coach myself. And, you know, in the, in the state of South Dakota, when you say Paul Rosh, you know, pretty much everybody knows he's probably going to have a good chance of being in the, Hall of Fame up there someday. Mm-hmm. He's he's been a very successful coach over the years, and you know he was somewhat of a younger coach um, when he was coaching at, at my high school, and he's had a couple jobs since then. But he's 
had a lot of success, and I still try to follow up and and see see if his teams can make the state tournament. And I probably text him and talk to him multiple times a year, and, and still try to stay in touch uh, with him. Mm-hmm. Was he was he kind of the first one that you know saw the potential in you uh, to be a coach, to be a teacher, and a coach someday? And, and did you did you kind of see that in yourself? And he, or you, you hadn't, maybe it was the thing where you hadn't seen it in yourself and he kind of opened your eyes to it. I mean, you know, did it, you know, how did that kind of work? You know, I, I can, rem- <laughs> I can remember back when I was probably in junior high, maybe even a freshman in high school. And I thought, you know, someday I'm going to be a farmer like my dad. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, uh, I think that was before I got to the age where my dad was able to get me out there from sunup to sundown. Like I did when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And I, I, I quickly made a decision after all of my 16 hour work days with my dad on the farm where maybe I don't want to be a farmer. So, you know, I know that, uh, you know, coach Rosh taught history classes and, and I always had some in, some interest in uh, in the, the subject and and uh, you know I, I think it was probably during my junior senior year of high school where I just thought you know I really like you know I, I, I was probably somewhat abnormal for most high school boys I actually liked school mm-hmm. um, so I like school and I like sports and maybe maybe teaching and coaching is something I could do if, if I actually like school and, and like sports so you know I kind of said let's let's go to Mount Marty College and give these classes a try and see what I think for the first year or two, and I can always change my mind. And I actually I actually got a business minor at Mount Marty as well, just in case I decided that teaching wasn't for me. But, yeah. but uh, you know, it, it really has been a good fit for me, and, and now I'm kind of at the age where I don't know if I can do anything else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what uh, you are known to be a uh, – pretty intense guy on the sidelines you know you get after your kids uh where does that come from you know i think uh, coach rosh in some ways was like that but i just you know i, I played college baseball at mount marty for uh for a man named uh, bob tarashinsky who again man i have a lot of respect for a very intense competitor and and you know i think if you ask some of my elementary teachers, I think the group of us that uh, went out for recess and played football or pick up basketball for recess, I think there were elementary teachers that probably got sick of breaking up our fights and, <laughs> and things like that. So, we, you know, I've just kind of always been around people growing up that were very competitive. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, just something that I think you know, I, I learned that, you know, maybe winning is not the most important thing, but, but trying to win is a very important thing and, and getting the best out of, of the abilities that you have. You know, I've, you know, whether it was my parents or Coach Rosh or a lot of my teachers or even my friends, mm-hmm. uh, we just wouldn't let each other settle for anything less than what you're capable of. And, and uh, sometimes that means, um, you know, hearing some criticism that uh, that you learn to uh, that you learn to use in a positive way, and it might not always.
always be the nicest way that you hear it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, I think I learned a lesson when I was younger that, uh, you know, the, 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 the response to something negative is, is what's going to help you be successful in the long run of your life. I mean, I just think that, uh, you know, I think I, life, everybody knows, you know, life is not going to, to be all roses and cherries and it's not going to go perfect and you're going to have to overcome adversity. So I think from a young age, you know, that's, you know, something in some ways I try to instill in kids like, Hey, I'm going to be hard on you, but that's okay. Like you're going to experience harder things in your life than me getting on you in a basketball situation or whatnot. So, you know, you have to, you have to have the ability to, to, uh, compartmentalize some of the criticism and say, Hey, you know, I might not always love this, but it's going to help me be a better player, better person. And, and, you know, I mean, I think the, the, the thing that, you know, a lot of people are able to see, you know, how intense I can coach or whatever, but mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the girls that I coach, the reason that they can also be okay with it is they know how much I stick up for them. They know how much I've got their back. They know how good a relationship we have. They know how much I let down the, the, the guard and joke around and have fun when practice is over, or when we're in a different setting. Um, so, you know, I think that, that those things all come into play. So yeah. I just think that, but yeah, I mean, I, I just want kids to, uh, to understand that, uh, you know, I think I learned at an early age that what, what, what I thought was my best really wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a 14 or 15 or 16 year old kid, everybody thinks they're trying their hardest. Yeah. Um, but that there were some people that taught me along the way that no, you're not mm-hmm. like you, you've got more inside of you, even if, even if those people need to try to drag that out of me, I, you know, I, I think I learned at an early age that, you know, not all 16 year olds are actually trying as hard as they think they, they, they are. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's okay to, it's okay as an adult to, uh, to help that kid learn the lesson that they've got more inside of them. Do you think that being in a in a smaller community like Crofton, and you're able to really um, build those relationships on a real personal level, just because it is a smaller school, um, do you think that makes it uh, easier for you to to do those to have those kids understand where you're coming from? Because you know you're not dealing with a hundred kids in a class or 200, you know, class B or class A or, or however you want to say it. I mean, you, you know, you guys have a, a, a small student population. Uh, so therefore you, you get a lot closer to your kids and therefore you're able to develop those relationships at a, you know, at a much deeper level at a much earlier age. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that there's any doubt that that's a true statement. And, uh, you know, the reality is, you know, I start, I'll start working with, with kids in summer camps and leagues in fourth grade. Uh Um, you know, so by the time that kid graduates as a senior, I've known them very, very well for eight years of their life. Uh And, uh, you know, we, we've been lucky enough to have lots of siblings come through our program. So even if 
I don't start working with you, you know, in the sport of basketball, rather, you know, consistently until you're a fourth grader, I might know you when you're three or four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there, there's been some kids recently that I've that I've coached that, yeah, I mean, I've known them pretty well for you know 13 to 15 years of their lives when, by the time they graduate as a senior in high school. So I think that, yeah, I mean, and, and just knowing knowing the, the families and knowing the parents and it's, you know, it's, it's definitely in a, in a small town. I think it's, it's a great thing to be able to build those relationships and it's helpful for uh, teachers and coaches to, uh, to have those relationships with students and, and, and athletes. Yeah. Have you ever had a desire, or I don't want to say desire. Have you ever thought about, you know, with what I'm doing here, and we're going to get into your, your philosophy and your X's and O's and kind of the way you guys do things up there. Have, have you ever, you know, wondered, you know, would this work at a bigger school? You know, uh, would this, uh, you know, what would it be like to take, uh, you know, what I'm doing here and implement it at, you know, a class B or a class A school? You know, I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think any coach would, uh, would probably say, Hey, they, they, you know, they'd like to, to have the opportunity to, to coach and, and compete at, at higher levels and whatnot. I think for, for me, what, uh, what, what's, uh, what, I, what I've really loved about Crofton is, um, you know, number one, number one, you know, it's a small community, very similar to the community that I grew up in. Um, you know, I think from a teaching standpoint, I really don't have any doubt that I enjoy teaching in a smaller school with a smaller student population than I would in, uh, you know, per se, Omaha or Lincoln or a larger community, Sioux Falls, places like that. Um, you know, I think there is, you know, the, the, the desire to say, hey, you know, do I want to coach at a, at a bigger school? But, you know, look, you know, one, one thing I've been able to do at Crofton to maybe satisfy some of that desire is, you know, I set up our summer schedule where little old Crofton, like we, we play all those teams in the summertime. I mean, we, Absolutely. Try to, yeah. we, we try to go to camps and play as many class A or class B level teams as we can. You know, we could travel up into South Dakota and try to play the double A South Dakota schools as much as we can. And, and we try to do some traveling and, and challenge ourselves against that level of competition. So, you know, we might not, and, and we, we've been lucky enough too in the regular season, we've, we've been able to catch some, some games against out of state teams that, mm-hmm. uh, that are class A or B size schools. So, um, you know, even though we don't necessarily play those type of teams on a regular basis, um, it's been fun to watch our kids compete against those teams um, in the summer months and a couple times over some winter seasons over the years. But you guys have earned that opportunity, you know, in, in, when you're talking about the regular season scheduling. I mean, you know, why why not, you know, uh, you know, challenge yourself if, you know, I think it's great when you have really, really good uh, smaller schools, uh, you know, matching up against uh, a class B or, you know, even a class A school and, you know, that's, that's, that's great for everybody because I think, uh, sometimes with the, with the kids from the bigger schools, you know, they're, they're going to look at a place like yours and go, oh, well, that's just this, this town, 
you know, it's a small school. They can't be that good. And, you know, after about three minutes, they're like, yeah, <laughs> they are that good, you know? And, and I think that's, I think that's good for everybody involved. I think it's good for the, for the game. I think it's good for the kids. I, I think it's good for, um, the competitive balance of things to show that, Hey, it doesn't matter uh, where you come from. It matters how you play the game. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's been fun for me to watch our kids over the years kind of maybe grow into the point where, you know, they can have the confidence to go into a, a either whether it's a summer game or whether it's an actual um, regular season game uh, during the winter and, and have the confidence to say like, Hey, like this is a game we can win, or this is a game we maybe even should win, even though, um, you know, the the classification levels um, don't necessarily balance out. But uh, you know, it's been, you know, it's been a message that I think our kids, you know, have, have accepted. You know, it's like you're not you're not going to improve unless you challenge yourself, and it's okay mm-hmm. to get beat mm-hmm. um, if you learn something in the process. And yep. You know, if if if, if uh, you know if if playing those types of, of of games against that type of competition um, are going to help you in the long run, which I be- fully believe it does, then then we want to do that as much as as we are you know are allowed to do, or as much as we can. So, yep. Yep. so yeah, I've, I've I've enjoyed it over the years, and I know that that for me it's like for me personally, again, this goes back to probably my competitiveness. It's like I'd rather I'd rather play a really, really high level team and play well and get beat. Yep. Then then play a lower level team and, and win the game but but not really have any of our mistakes pointed out to us or you know you know, you, you don't really learn as much from those particular contests. Absolutely. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. You know, we're gonna talk about that off season uh, stuff here in just a, a little bit here. So, uh, I got a really good question. Don't let me forget this question that I haven't told you what the question is yet. So, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll read your mind through this phone. Uh, well, uh, that, that would actually be the second time that somebody's read my mind on this podcast. Uh, so, um, coach Finley did that a, a week or two ago. It, it was a quick, it was a quick read for him. It was a very quick read. So uh, we're going to transition here. We've got our Don Meyer quote of the day. Uh, and, Coach, I think this, this you know, it's, it's as I've thrown these out here in the podcast, uh, it's just kind of bizarre how it, uh, you know, I kind of pick them randomly, but they keep fitting the people that I'm talking to here. So uh, the Don Meyer quote of the day, um, it takes a long time to build a team. It takes an instant to destroy one. Um and when I think of your program, you know, obviously sustained excellence, but it's it's sustained by design and it's built by design. And you can tell just by watching your teams play and the way you coach that that you have a lot of trust in the players and the players have a lot of trust in you. And, you know, as we kind of swing into the second half of the pod here, uh, you know, what are some things that you do to to earn your players trust uh, so that, you know, they trust you and you trust them? Let, let, let me uh, before I answer that. Let me tell you a quick Don Meyer story for you. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, I think I don't even know how old I was twenty, twenty five, twenty six years old, or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I I was invited to speak uh, at a coaching clinic up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It was the first coaching clinic I'd ever um, 
spoke at. So, you know, I was a little nervous and didn't sure. quite know what to think. And, and I, and I, and I knew a lot of the South Dakota coaches since I grew up around there and I coached two years up there. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we had just come off of our, uh, third state championship at Crofton and I was invited to speak at this clinic and, and, uh, I was like the first speaker after the night meal. And I think there was one speaker after me and I walked in and, and, uh, it was in a, it wasn't in a gym. It was more in like a little auditorium thing. And, and uh, it was more of a PowerPoint overhead mm-hmm. projector type coaching clinic than players on the court. But uh, anyway, I, 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 I show up and the auditorium is like full, like not one seat open. <laughs> and, and, and I'd been to some previous sessions earlier in the day and the place is like half full. And I'm thinking, well, whoa, like, <laughs> people came to, to listen to me. And, and I got done with my 45 minutes and, and I get... Uh, completed with my uh my talk and whatnot and i hand the mic over to the people and, and down from the top row the last speaker of the night walks don meyer and i quickly realized why everybody was there it was not to listen to me it was to listen to coach meyer so so that that was uh that was my don meyer story well you you could you could just uh you were like the the opening act like you you know uh, you were the you were the Rolling Stones opening up for somebody else in 1964, and you were just ready to break it big, you know, or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no, nobody knows. You know, maybe they were there to see you. <laughs> well, there might have been a couple, but I have a feeling. <laughs> Most of them were there to listen to Coach Meyer, including including after I sat down, I quickly got my uh, pen and paper out and yeah. started taking notes as fast as I could. Yeah, he could fill up a notebook quickly, couldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah. So anyway, what was the what was the previous question? I tend to forget things quickly. Uh, I forgot now. Uh, <laughs> uh, something about trust. Okay. Yeah, trust. Yeah. How do how do you earn their trust? And you know, how do you earn their trust? How do you, how do the players earn your trust? You know, that type of just just how do you build that? You know, you talked about relationships. Um, you know, just you know, how do you do that? You know. Well, I think for 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 me, I mean, you're right. Like, trust is not given it's earned yeah and uh i mean i've really tried to uh to make a point that that it is, it is my job to to earn those players trust and there's lots of different ways that you can do that but uh you know from from being there every day you know you know I, i'm gonna be there i'm gonna be the first one there i'm gonna be the last one to leave you know i'm gonna sweep the floor for these kids before every practice i'm gonna you know, I'm I'm gonna not leave the gym until the last player wants to be done shooting. Um, you know, I'm gonna, you know, you know, you know, have meetings with these kids, talk to them if 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 they seem like they're if they seem like they had a bad practice, I might be getting on them during practice. But if it seems abnormal, you know, have a conversation with them in the hallway or as you know in the gym after practice. Make sure, hey. You know, is there something else that's going on that's that's bothering you? And just you know, just in, in some ways, I mean, there's lots of different ways that, that to, to earn trust. But I think it is just something like you gotta you gotta be real. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta show the kids that uh, you are going to stick up for them uh, when they need you to be there for them, and, and, and you are you are willing to to lay it all out on the line and 
in, in the reverse way, how can a player in my trust, you know, lay it all out on the line for your teammates? I mean, we just talk, um, you know, it's like, I mean, I'll, I'll tell our kids every year, like, I, I, you know, no, no parents or players want a coach to pick favorites, but I'll tell our parents and our kids, I am going to pick favorites. And I'm going to pick favorites. It's, it, you can be my favorite. You, you got to be honest, and you got to be a hard worker. My favorite players are the ones that are the most honest and work the hardest. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the, you know those kind of things. If you do those things, I'm going to trust you. And I hope that I have done those. Th- you know, I hope I have worked extremely hard for those kids, and I hope I am extremely honest with those kids, and I hope that trust reciprocates itself so i think it's a lot a lot of you know things that revolve around honesty and hard work you talked about uh we're going to talk about uh your summer stuff um you know in your off season stuff and then we're going to jump into kind of some of your x's and o's and your 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 pressure d and your transition o um but i want to go back to uh you're talking about building your summer schedule and you know, challenging yourself in the summer. And I think that's, that's really important to, to challenge yourself in the, in the summertime because, you know, you're not putting those games on your resume, you know, those wins and losses, that type of thing. Um, you know, just kind of go into, uh, I mean, that was my philosophy. I, I think we're kind of on the same page there where who cares if you get your butt beat by, you know, Western tech or, or whatever, um, it's about getting better in the summertime and challenging yourself in the summertime. And, and I'm guessing you probably kind of do the same thing. Sometimes it's good to find out uh, what some kids can do in the summer, but sometimes it's also important to kind of figure out, you know, what, what they can't do and who may struggle to rise to that challenge and, and, and who can, who you can trust when, when the rubber hits the road. Is that part of your thinking as well? I mean, yeah, I think we've really, been able to try to use our summers I mean I mean it, it really is it's it's a preseason I mean it's a it's a it's a way for us to stu- you know help kids build their skills but it's also a way for us as coaches to you know I mean we don't want to come into November blind on on roles and on on how we're going to play and on things. So yeah, we might try some things over the summer, X's and O's wise. We might, uh, you know, I mean, you, you know, as well as I do in the summertime, not every kid can go to every single camp. All Absolutely. The time. So that, that, that gives other players a chance to, to, to earn things. If, if they get to, to, to play more minutes in that particular camp that they go to or league game or whatever it may be. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, a situation where we, we try to use our summers to lead us into the winter so that when November gets there, we, we're, we're very familiar and knowledgeable about our team, and our team is very familiar and knowledgeable about what we want to do to be successful during the year. And, and, and you know, along the way, yeah, we're going we're gonna to play games, but we're going to, you know, we're going to do a lot of other things, but, uh, you know, during the games and the camps and the leagues and the things like that, it's like, you know, we, we, we want to learn things. And, and in order to do that, we, we've got to get beat. I mean, it's a 
situation where if we go through a summer undefeated, you know, I, I didn't really do a very good job of getting us in the right camps and playing the right competition and, and things like that. And it, and, and it can vary from year to year. Sure. I mean, on a year, yeah. on, a, on a year when we have lots of experience returning, we're going to amp up the level of competition even more in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of the years where maybe we were going to be a lot less experienced, um, you know, we, we need to have, you know, kids moving up from JV um, feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, whether that means going to one or two camps where maybe the competition level is not quite as high. That's, that's, uh, that's okay too. Cause you can, can, you know, it's kind of a balance as a coach. Sure. You just gotta, you, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of know your own group and, and what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, steel sharpens steel, but you don't want to break it either. And, take away their confidence by getting beat too many times either. You know? Right. And, yeah. and we've been lucky enough over the years. Um, we, we've, we've very rarely had a year where we didn't have a fairly good nucleus returning. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what's your, what's your typical off season calendar look like? Um, you know, our kids have, have, I would say the last, 10 to 12 years have really, really been committed to uh, weight room and individual workouts. And, uh, you know, we do those things in the mornings in June. In June, we go five days a week. And in July, we go four days a week. Now, kids are not required to come every day. Uh, You know, we tell varsity level kids we'd like to see in the gym three or four times in the mornings every week. Uh, to lift weights and do individual drills. And if you're a freshman or JV level kid, if you come in two or three times a week, we're going to be pleased. And I mean, it's nothing's a requirement. Those are suggestions for kids, but our kids are pretty good about holding each other accountable and they want to reach their goals. So, you know, on a typical morning, if we, you know, we have 20 girls out for basketball, some mornings there might be all 20 girls there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a typical morning, probably anywhere from, 12 to 18 girls are in attendance and you know they're going to do individual drills um skill work whether it's ball handling or shooting or footwork or you know anything we can think of for about 45 minutes and then they're going to uh, lift weights for about 45 minutes and those are kind of how our mornings work and we also do kind of a one open gym a week in the evening times that's more of a more of a five-on-five game play setting, pickup games, things like that. Okay. Um, in addition to the, the the weight room and the skill work and the open gyms and things like that, we're gonna we're gonna you know try to play twenty-five to thirty games at different camps. We'll travel to Sioux Falls. We'll travel to Omaha. We'll travel to Lincoln. We'll travel. We'll travel a ways away if we think we need to to get the competition level that we want to see. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we've got some leagues for our younger freshman JV level kids Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we've, we've had real good luck with, uh, a group, a satellite camp called Midwest Elite and, uh, the, uh, they, they bring in college, college level coaches and we've had a lot of different coaches in our gym over the year, but. Um, you know, we kind of got one day, it's about six hours of, of real intense, heavy skill work and, and, uh, 
you know, even even some team play ideas that, that they'll give us. and They kind of tailor your camps mm-hmm. around what you want to do. Like they send out about a, what is it, a five-page questionnaire for coaches to fill out. And so they kind of know how you run your program and they try to really run their camps very similar to what you would want to see. Um, so it kind of translates from their camp into your system pretty well. And we've had good luck with them. I think we've had them eight or nine or ten years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a one-day camp that our kids um, do. And, you know, I'm trying to think if I forget anything, but that's mm-hmm. the, the the majority of kind of what, what we do over the summertime. And kids spend a lot of time in the gym, but uh, we appreciate their sacrifice and we think that, you know, we want to see some smiles at the end of the year in the wintertime and that summer can sure help us towards that goal. When uh, when we get done here, uh, if, if you've got a website for those guys, uh, if you could if you could shoot it to me and then I'll put it up on the Twitter page. So if coaches are interested in contacting those folks, um, we'll get that out there for them. So yeah, I know, I know that they have a really really good web page that uh, really explains what they're all about. And, and, and yeah, I know that they uh, they kind of started off around the South Dakota, Iowa, Nebraska, but they've branched out and done dozens of states so they're 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 a pretty big deal now and they've got a pretty big staff and and brad schmidt is uh kind of the the owner that i go through a lot and really really good guy and he has a lot of uh good level coaches that uh, he can bring into your gym to help you so i'll definitely uh figure out that website so people can uh search them out if they are inclined to do so perfect perfect um you guys are going to get after people defensively. Um, you know, what's kind of your process of, of building your program defensively, uh, you know, uh, schematically? I, I know we're a little bit limited with the podcast and we don't have the visual thing uh, where you can, you know, you can get out your, your old school transparencies on the overhead machine right before Coach Meyer comes out there or something like that, you know. Uh, but, um you know, what's your philosophy defensively? Uh, how do you build it? Uh, if there's a couple of, uh, well, let's go with that here and then we'll kind of get into more specific stuff based on kind of what you go through there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think everything that, everything that we have done defensively over the year starts with teaching kids solid man to man skills and principles. Um, you know, we really try to stress to our, younger coaches of fourth through eighth grade kids that they can't play anything but man to man. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just something that we really think that the basis for everything that we do comes off of that. And, um, you know, as kids get into junior high and high school, you know, we use, we use, we use shell drill, but we use a very specific form of, of shell drill with lots of different parts to uh, teach our kids how to defend different offensive movements or actions or screens or, or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And we really try to break down about everything we can think of mm-hmm. from an offensive standpoint and how to defend it through a shell drill setting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as we, you know, as we kind of master the man to man stuff, you know, depending on the groups that we have, um, you know, we may add some full court, half court, three quarter court stuff. You know, we do do quite a bit of zone stuff, but pretty much 
I'd say about 95% of the zone stuff that we do involves trapping, pressing, mm-hmm. you know, more yeah. of a pressure type zone than a, than a fallback type zone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that, that's kind of the, the, how we build our, our defensive philosophy. And, you know, we just talk to kids all the time about being tough and, and defense is our number one priority. And, and, uh, you know, I've had a lot of kids over the years that, that I've told, you know, you can be a you can be a fairly limited offensive player, but if you can learn to play great defense, you can play varsity basketball now. Yeah. You know, and I've told a lot of kids that you're a pretty good offensive player, but you're not going to get to play varsity basketball until you learn how to play defense. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's been a it's been a staple for us that I think kids understand and kids take to heart and you know it's a team thing it's you know it's kind of a little bit of a culture that gets passed down from one year to the next but uh, they understand that we need to be really good defensively and if we can do that it's going to help us offensively and and, uh, it's going to help our overall um, success level as well Mm -hmm. what are some what are some things that you you know that you do with that shell drill you were talking about your shell drill breakdown you know what are what are some things that you do within that um and, and how you teach it you know just to kind of help our coaches out here that are listening yeah it's pretty i mean it's pretty specific um yeah i mean it, it's going to be hard for me to relay this over a over a podcast setting uh-huh. um but yeah i mean like what we're going to do is you know our shell drill will have um you know, it's it's going to start off in just your basic shell where you're going to teach kids to jump to the ball and and uh, you know one pass away you're denying and two passes away you're jumped off help side and see your girl see the ball those types of principles and mm-hmm. tracing the ball when you're on the ball we're gonna you know we're gonna try to force everything baseline so we want inside foot high when you're guarding the ball and take away middle drives and things like that but it's gonna you know. The next step, I think, that we would teach is is, is give-and-go cuts. The offense is required every pass to try to do a give-and-go cut. Okay. So we're, so we're you know, that's the only thing the offense is allowed to do to, to try to score the ball. Mm-hmm. They can't do anything else but try give-and-go cuts. So, the, so then we're going to teach kids how do we want to defend give-and-go cuts. Jump to the ball, use an arm bar, turn your head if they're going back door, don't turn circles. Mm-hmm. Um, Block the cutter with your chest, you know, all those kinds of ideas. Um, after that, we're going to uh, tell the offense that the only thing they can do is try to dribble drive to score. Um, so from there, we're going to teach kids how to bluff and recover, help in gaps. Uh, we're going to teach kids how we're trying to force a baseline, so then we're going to need to help on a baseline drive and rotate everybody down to the backside. Um, to try to steal those types of things. So we're going to teach them, you know, how to, how, to, how do we help each other based on if a drive goes middle or on if a drive goes baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the technique and footwork and, and team play that needs to happen there. Um, and again, you know, in that series of shell drill, the offense can only score one way. Mm-hmm. Uh, all they can do is try to put the ball on the floor and create and dribble drive. Yeah. Um, next... Next, we would do um, maybe weak side flashers. So the only way the offense can score is somebody on the weak side is going to try to cut the lane and get open. Okay. 
and uh, we're going to teach the kids how 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 do we guard a weak side cutter. First of all, you got to see it coming. You can't be staring at the ball. And it's fairly similar to a to a give and go cut where you're going to jump up and use your chest to block the cutter and use an arm bar and and uh, if they go back door, turn your head and don't spin in circles and and you know things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, after that, let me think. After that, you know we're going to work in maybe uh, how to defend away screens and we'll teach kids to go through the middle once removed and get you know get underneath the screen and the screeners whoever's guarding the screeners got to open up and and uh leave some space in there so the, you know the only thing the offense can try to do to, to score a basket is pass and screen away mm-hmm. um so you know our kids are going to get used how do we how do we defend this um eventually we're going to work in ball screens and we usually hard hedge ball screens and help um help on the roll with the people from the weak side so we're going to teach that so again the only way the offense can try to score a basket is to do ball screens Mm -hmm. um and then uh we'll we'll do back screens and flare screens um i'm sure i'm forgetting something i don't have my notes i don't have my notes in front of me right now you know we'll eventually put uh posts inside how do we defend posts and how do we defend cross screens inside and down screens that happen and you know all, all those theories yep. we have a very specific way for how we how, how do we want to def, def, how do we want to guard every offensive motion that that could happen in any offense and you know we tell kids like I, i'm gonna I'm a scout i'm gonna try to tell you what the other team's offense is but if i don't have it scouted very well or if if uh you're not picking up exactly what they're doing in the middle of the game and can't foresee into the future what's going to happen in their continuity offense or in their play or whatever it may be. Like, just remember Sheldon. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. if this is what they do, this is how we defend it. Yep. And, uh, you know, eventually we're going to turn it into live shell drill where the offense can do any of those things and we'll play and we'll do some different buildups off of that. But, uh, but we really, really, I mean, e- there's even some years where in J- late January we're still doing shell drill breakdowns. Yeah. Um, but at, at least until at least until early to mid January we're going to break down shell drill and do it that way once, twice, maybe even three times a week. And uh, you know that's kind of the, the basis. And, and like I said, I, I feel like I probably forgot one or two little actions in there that no. we, that would teach you how to guard and shell drill. But that's kind of the basis of how yep. we do it. Two quick follow-up questions with that. Number one, uh, you know, do they have to master step one before you move on to step two, or you know, how do you determine when it's time to go from you know the give and go basket cut to the to the dribble drive? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's like I, I, I'm gonna. Have, I mean, we're we're gonna have a JV and a, and a varsity end, and obviously the JV end. I mean, I tell our JV coaches. And our JV players, like, if you can get to the last part of shell drill by the end of the year, great. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you might not, you might, you might, by, by Christmas time, you might only double half of what we want to teach you in shell drill. And that's okay, because at the JV end, it's going to come a little bit slower. The, sure. the learning curve is a little bit different. Now, when I get a kid on the varsity end, theoretically speaking, they should already know all of shell drill from the JV end. Yeah. Um, now that doesn't always happen when we have a, when we have a talented freshman that uh, needs to be on varsity, and that's that's hard for those kids because it's 
it's pushed through faster and, yep. and you know it's just a it's a situation where I'm, I'm gonna have anywhere from eight to twelve kids on my end yep and uh yeah it's like if we're gonna make a mistake i'm gonna blow the whistle and i'm gonna show you what we're doing wrong and we're gonna start back over and with that and uh yeah i mean we might only have 30 minutes allotted of the day or 20 minutes allotted of the practice for shell drill and it all depends how far are we going to get it all depends on how well we do yep you know you know as we master things we can get to the fifth or sixth or seventh things whereas early Mm -hmm. in the year we may only get to the third or the fourth thing yep um and and there are certain days where i put things in a different order of what we do Mm -hmm. Um, once i feel like once i feel like we've got some of those early season things down pretty good maybe i'm going to put them at the end of the order Mm -hmm. and start start with something that we haven't done as much of Mm -hmm. uh, and, and things like that gotcha uh, second quick follow-up question, you know, is there ever, are you pretty well set in stone with what are you going to do or, you know, what? Hey, this year with this group of gals, maybe we want to do it this way. I would say from a man to man point standpoint, I'm set in stone, like from, from the overall defensive things, we might try different things, different years based on personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a man to man standpoint, yeah, we're going to teach that pretty much the same way all the time. Um, you know, we, we will tell kids on scouting reports or the day before a game when we're going over scouting things like, hey, this particular game, we're going to guard this differently. Here's mm-hmm. how we're going to guard it. Now, that doesn't happen all that often. Um, you know, some of you maybe remember Shatrice White, who played for Shelby Rising City years yep. ago. She eventually went to Illinois and Florida State and played. Yep, um, and we're going to play them the first round of the state tournament. So rather than rather than hard hedge ball screens and let her roll to the basket, we were gonna we were gonna jam ball screens and uh, and go underneath with the gar- girl and just jam the roll and let the girl coming off shoot the elbow jumper, the three pointer, if she wanted to. Yep. Um, so we you know whatever, buddy, you know you got better part of a whole week to practice for state right oh yeah absolutely especially that yeah, first yeah. rounder so, yeah so so every day you know yep. this is how we're guarding this the first game and of course you know the first time comes out and she sets a ball screen and we're gonna hard and we hard hatch it and she rolls to the basket and we're lucky she didn't dunk it on us and, <laughs> and about the whole first half i think we did it right about 50 percent of the time because we're so used to doing it one way yep you know but eventually Eventually, in the second half, we kind of did it the way we practiced, and, and we were able to pull out a win in that one. But uh, you know, we, we sometimes we probably do have a little bit of trouble guarding different ways because we usually we're going to be very specific teaching you one way. I mean, my yeah. philosophy is just—I think my philosophy is just let, let's try to get really, 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 really good at doing it this way. Yep. And uh, as opposed to let's learn three ways and we'll be mediocre at all three ways. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, yeah. I was gonna say, that's, that, that's kind of been our philosophy. Yeah. And that's not to say that it, it is set in stone every game because we will, we will switch ball screens at the end of games and our kids, our kids know that in a, in a, in a uh, tight ball game where a team might want to pick and pop, like we're going to, you know, where we can't give up a three pointer. Like we're not, we're, Mm-hmm. switch ball screens or mm-hmm. you know we like you know pierce is a team 
sets kind of, I don't know, their offense, it's hard to describe. It kind of sets a down screen in a, in a, in a different area than what we're used to guarding down screens. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we're, we're like against Pierce, we're not going to guard down screens like we do in shell drill. We're going to guard it more like an away screen, even though I think it's a down screen that's just happening in an area of the court yeah. where I think we need to guard it differently to help us out. So we'll make little adjustments. Yeah. Um, different times but uh on a day-to-day basis we're going to practice it one way and we're going to try to get excellent at doing it that one way i thought you uh you were going to say um when you came you know you you told your kids to do it like this and you were going to force the the jump shot or the pull-up j and make the perimeter player beat you i thought you were going to say she comes off of it and we do it the way they told us to or you know the kids did it the way that you you asked them to do it and then the kid you know, of course, when that happens, kid hits a shot, and then the player's looking at you like, but you told us this wasn't the way it was going to be. And, yeah, and, and, and you're like, no, just don't worry. Now, if she does it seven times, then we'll worry about it. But, yeah. you know, she's, yeah. she does it once, so be it, you know? Yeah, and, and we, we watch enough film with our kids on other teams and whatnot. Like, we'll talk about that things, and I'll, and I'll say before the game, like, you know, hey, she might make one or two, but we're going to stick with this until – you know, you know, until it, until it's really hurting us, you know, one, mm-hmm. one, one or two is not going to really hurt us. Like, yep. you know, the, our, our, our kids are fairly good about understanding like, Hey, if I do it the right way and they score, he's not going to be mad at me. <laughs> yep. You know, yep. If, 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 if I'm doing it the right way and she scores over and over again, he's going to make an adjustment or do something different. Whereas if I do it the wrong way and they score, I better, I better uh, go down and, get offensive rebound or something. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I can do something good before he subs me out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, two other big things I want to talk about with you. Um, transition offense. You know, and that's one of the things you said you want to talk about. Uh, you guys, obviously you, you've had really good athletes, which helps with your transition offense. Uh, but obviously, you know, it, a lot of that is taught as well. You know, um, you, you guys do a great job of, of attacking the ball on defense and then getting out and running on on offense you know what are some some things that you've done to to build that philosophy on the on the offensive side of the ball yeah i mean obviously like you said i mean we try to use our defense oftentimes to create transition opportunities but uh, so i mean we'll do lots of three on two and, and uh four on two and, and two on one drills in practice to try to teach teach kids if we happen to get a steal or if we happen to get um, some kind of a long rebound, um, you know, this is this is how we want to attack in these type of advantage situations. Um, so we'll do a lot of those drills. But, uh, you know, one thing we really try to stress, too, is, is how to run a five-person primary fast break the way that we want you to. And, and you know, anytime we're going to get a rebound or, or whatnot, we, we really try to work on how and where to outlet the ball to. And, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, have our wings um, on specific sides. I know some coaches will kind of tell wings to pick up, pick the side based on where, but, you know, if you're a number two in our transition offense, you have to run the right side, even if you're boxing out way in the opposite corner. Um, and if you're a three, you have to run the left side. And if you're a four and a five, you got to be a little bit interchangeable. Um, mm-hmm. 
based on who gets the rebound, but, uh, you know, one post, um, theoretically the five is going to sprint the middle to the right block and the other post is going to, you know, trail up the, up the volleyball line to the left side. We're going to teach our point guard. You know, we, we really try to teach our point guards. Once you get the outlet, you got one dribble and we want to see you get rid of the ball 50, 60, 70% of the time, the more often you can get rid of the ball before half court as a point guard, the more happy we are going to be because that's going to, to to lead us into our transition. I mean, we'll 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 show kids like you can't you can't run as fast as you can pass the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. some, some some years if we got a point guard that wants to dribble too much, I'm gonna put them on the end line and I'm gonna have a ball in my hand and I'm gonna say you're gonna sprint to the other end as fast as you possibly can and you're going to beat this ball, and they're going to sprint, and I'm going to throw the ball, and the ball is going to beat them there by two seconds or three seconds, you know, mm-hmm. to get it in their head. Like, we are going to, to be a better transition team if our point guards don't dri- over-dribble. Um, you know, so we're going to teach our point guards, where do you look? We're going to look cross-court first. We're going to look to the post second. We're going to look up the same side third and then if none of those three people are open now you can dribble and create and try to get in the lane and and, you know we may have to start our secondary break we're going to teach our wings if you catch the ball from the point guard here is what you're looking for you know instantly you're looking to the five run to the block you have the the option to go all the way for your own layup your next option would be to look cross court to your opposite wing, spotting up for a three or cutting in the backside. You know, if none of that's open now, you can look to your trail post or your point guard coming back up into the trail area too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we're gonna we're, we just try to pound those things into our heads. We'll do some of it in the five on zero setting, where we go through different options in the order that we want you to look for them, and then we do a lot of what we call five on four transition. Um, where we started off in a free throw situation and if I call out a name of a defense, that defensive player has to go run and touch the wall or the stage or wherever it is we're practicing that day. So it's going to, it's going to turn into a five on four situation for about three to five seconds. Yep. And the offense will have an advantage, um, going up in a five man break. And, you know, they've just got to learn how to, how to kind of, score as quickly as possible um, before that fifth player gets back. And, you know, if it does turn into a five-on-five setting, we've got secondary breaks that we that we teach them to use and, and things like that. But that's, that's kind of how we teach, I guess, transition offense in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's that's really good. I, I think you just want to remind them that you're a former college pitcher and you just want to throw the ball down there to show your arm off. <laughs> well, actually, I'm an outfielder, but uh, oh, outfielder, sorry. Yeah, but uh, you, you, you well, any any more. If I try to throw a basketball pass with one hand, I might rip a rip a shoulder blade off. So I'm usually tossing two handed basketball. <laughs> that's that's that. You know, uh, as as we get older, it, it gets a lot harder to show off our athleticism in 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 practice. I've I've learned that uh, my years of demonstrating defense and techniques and stances that are coming to a close. I generally grab a uh, senior girl to show the freshman girls how to do it now. Uh, yeah, uh, I I have just uh, and the great thing uh, with us is uh, there's really not a lot of film out there. Um, I'm a little older than you, 
you know, so there's definitely no film of my lack of high school explosiveness. So I, I can, I, you know, we can still kind of build up the legend in, in our own minds and, and they don't have any idea. So, um, you know, don't try to convince them any differently. So, um, you know, do you, do you guys have a set, uh, you know, you know, you know, going into games, uh, do, do you have any type of, uh, you know, uh, set statistical or analytical uh, goals? I, I hate to use the word gold standards. That's the word I want to use, uh, you know, standards. What are, what are some, some tangible standards that you guys want to try and reach every game, whether it's with your pressure offense or your transition defense, you know, you kind of talked about, you know, you want your point guard to, to pop it up, you know, 50 to 70% of the time in your, in your primary break, uh, that type of stuff. You know, is there anything else along those lines that you uh, help, uh, that you use to help uh, create those high standards that you have for your kids uh, so that they can see, hey, you know what, we we only, you know, as an example, we only popped it up 30% of the time this last game. It's got to be better than that or, or anything along those lines. Yeah, I mean, some some of it is more, we, we do. I mean, some of it is more traditionally based statistical things. Um, you know, I... The only the only time I, the only time I would really stat like our point guard kicking it up, I mean I might go through huddle film and watch down if they just if I really felt like two or three games in a row they were just not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, now if I think that they're they're doing fine, I'm not going to go stat it sure. and keep track of it. But uh, you know, like traditional st- statistical things, and we'll put some of these things up on on bulletin boards for our kids. But yeah, we we've had years where. You know, we'll have five or six offensive goals and five or six defensive goals that we want to beat each game in a statistical category. You know, like uh, whatever. Let's say that we want to shoot forty-five percent every game. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say let's say that uh, that we want to have less than fifteen turnovers every game. Um, you know, let's say that we want to have more assists than turnovers every game. Uh, let's say that. Uh, um, Oh, let me think of some other ones. Let's say that, uh, you know, we want the rebound margin for our team to be plus seven every game or, or, um, you know, defensively, maybe we want to force 20 plus turnovers. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe we want to hold them less than 35% shooting. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe we want to, um, you know, you know, take, X number of charges for the whole year, um, th- things things like that are things yeah. that we have have uh, kept track of and, and put up on a little bulletin board for our kids to see. Because yeah, there there can be games where you win the game, but you might only beat two out of the ten statistical things, and you can kind of point out to kids like we won that game, but we need to improve in these certain areas if we're going to beat a really good team. Yeah, uh, things things like that. Mm-hmm. What's been kind of the the key? Obviously, you've had great success in the postseason. Uh, you know, what have you, what do you feel like you've done? Whether it's you or your staff or your kids, and obviously it's a combination of of all three. But you know, just to get your kids playing the best ball uh, February into early March, what are what are some things that you guys have tried to conscientiously do uh, to put your to put your teams in those in that situation? You know, I think that. A lot of it is you just you just try to practice hard every single day. I know that uh, 
mean, I think I'm, I'm like most coaches that, you know, as you go into the year and the year gets into January and February, you might back off a little bit on the intensity of, of what you're going to do at practice. But we really, really try to make sure that our kids don't back off at all in the focus mm-hmm. of, of what they may do in practice. And, and, you know, it's like we just try to make sure every single practice is is worthwhile. I mean, and, you know, I've, I've said over the years that we're going we're gonna to play 25 to, you know, maybe – 20 to 27 games in the year, but but in the big picture thing, it's the the 60 practices that are so much more important. And uh, you know, I think that I think a lot of our kids, you know, you can probably go back 15 years and talk to kids, and they'd probably say the same thing. And I had hoped the kids that I'm coaching this year would say the same thing after the year. Like we tried to make practice situations or practice drills or practice itself more difficult than a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in, in that particular way, there's just, if, if that happens, I just feel like there's a slow growth that's going to continue to happen. And there might be ups and downs along the way, but there's going to be a, a slow growth that, that happens from the beginning to the end. So you're just wanting to play your best at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, I think once you get once you get into the postseason and uh, whatnot, I mean, I think that the the, the level of, of scouting that I would try to do for our kids probably goes up, and and we try to really really learn as much about our opponent as possible in the time that we're we're given to learn about them. And obviously, if you get into the state tournament, sometimes that's less than twenty four hours. But yeah. We're going to, Have you noticed, because um, this is the way I always felt, you know, it just seems so simple, but it's very true. Uh, you, your teams that practice the best, uh, those are the teams that you can trust, and those are your, your highest achieving teams. And maybe maybe they don't win as many games, but doggone it, they get the most out of it, and that's kind of your most enjoyable seasons, don't you think? Oh, I think for sure. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, there might be some some games, you know, individual games that are somewhat anomalies where maybe you had a bad week of practice, but you played yep. really good at the game. But uh, but uh, you know, those, those kind of instances are often few and far between, and and you just you know you you just try to hammer into kids' heads about the importance of preparation, and consistency, and and you know, you know, you, you try to teach them that that's the way that you're going to need to be in real life someday when you're an adult too. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you use, use these lessons from everyday practice in basketball to apply to your own job or your own family or your own, um, life in the, in, in the future when you become an adult. And yeah, so, so yes, I, I mean, I think that hopefully every coach would, would agree that, uh, the better you practice, the, the better you're going to play and, and try to get that point across to the kids too absolutely absolutely uh 
coach, this was great. This was great. I, I, I got, you know, I got a bunch of stuff written down here and, and, uh, you know, uh, just, a just terrific, terrific stuff. Um, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. So, uh, no you know, I, I hope you enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I did. Thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I, anytime I probably don't get as much, uh, chance as I used to, to, to sit down and talk to other coaches and, and learn things and share ideas with people. So, so anytime you can sit down with another coach or another group of coaches, it's, uh, it's always fun. Well, I know of a really good podcast that, you know, while you're substitute teaching and you're watching huddle this, this, uh, this winter, you can you can listen to a podcast for an hour or so while you're watching that huddle. Uh, yep. It's it's called a pen and a napkin. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. So well, you told you told me I'm number nine, so that means I got eight others I got to go listen to here. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this was right up there with the other ones. I've you know I've been really fortunate. You know, um, everybody's been really really good, um, and I think there's been a lot of really good stuff for for everybody. So whether it's been a a college coach, a high school girls coach, a high school boys coach. Uh, it's been it's been really good so far, and I'm just I'm just thankful I've got great people like you and and everybody else that's come on so far uh, to uh, to talk to us. So, uh, you know, with that, I, I want to thank Aaron Losing for coming on here on the podcast. I want to thank our sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic. Again, if you're in need of chiropractic services here in Omaha, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at four zero two. Nine six four zero three zero zero. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Coach, am I going to get a follow on Twitter after this? Well, I don't have any Twitter, but uh, I'm I'm kind of old school when it comes to Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. But uh, so if I don't follow you, maybe I uh, um, you're, maybe you're, I don't I don't know if you if, if if I ever break down and form my own <laughs> account and, and start being being the social media person that everybody else in the world is maybe i'll do that <laughs> yeah, you, you can you can follow us in spirit how about that there, there you go all right well you can subscribe to the podcast how about that uh a pen and a napkin download it rate it review it uh if you need anything from the pod email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com again aaron losing from uh crofton nebraska uh thanks so much for coming on and coaches continue to hone your craft one day <laughs>